Well, hey there, guys. Episode two of Ideas Have People. And tonight, tonight is the night of Easter. It's Easter Sunday here. It's been a really interesting Easter, actually, here in the South. You know, last episode, I talked about how Easter is really kind of Super Bowl Sunday for Christians. Uh, you know, Good Friday, Christ is crucified. Sunday, he rises again, he rises from the dead. And we celebrate the the resurrection of our risen king. That is the the really the biggest part of the year. And uh, I'd say the other big Christian holiday is obviously Christmas, the birth of Christ. And so this has been an interesting year. Today we did church. We did church online. And I've never done a, a church service online for Easter. I've always done church in person. I've always done church, you know, yeah, in person every single Easter. I can't remember an Easter where I didn't go to church. And so this was a very uh, particularly weird, uh, I think a little bit weird Sunday for us. You know, we watched the services we watched. Um, uh, I know we watched First Baptist Watkinsville, and then we also watched uh, Church of the Highlands had a service. And then, of course, our own church service that we put out on you on YouTube um, for my dad's church and, you know, watch that too. And it, it's a, it was a weird day. I mean, it's a weird Easter. And it, and not to mention, it isn't like most Easter's where in the past we've had, um, probably hear that, uh, in the past we've had really sunny, sunny days and it, it was fun. It was lively. There wasn't very rainy. Today is cold here in Georgia. It's, we're supposed to get some really bad storms tonight. And it's very weird. It's very weird. Um, and it doesn't feel like Easter. It certainly doesn't feel like Easter. And I don't know. It's definitely different. But I will say this. I don't really typically eat candy. I'm not a big candy eater. And, you know, this Easter, I've eaten some candy. And I forgot how bad candy makes you feel. I mean, seriously, like there's a there's a uh, brief moment of joy from uh, eating candy, but other than that, golly, it you really feel sick. Like I, I had heartburn earlier for the first time in forever from all that sugar. Um, I, I felt kind of groggy. It made me actually tired. All I mean, you got to remember, guys. I I don't eat much sugar day to day. I don't really eat sweets. I don't really do that. So. This was particularly just a weird, a weird uh, feeling to me, just to bombard myself with candy. And I ate some Reese's eggs. I ate some Sour Patch Kids. I ate some marshmallow eggs. I ate your typical Easter basket, right? And um, I enjoy it, but man, don't feel that great after. I actually took a long nap today because I, I, I just crashed. I like I couldn't stay awake. Um, I don't know if it's because of the weather. I really don't know, but didn't feel that great. It really didn't. So I'm, I'm definitely interested to see um, how I feel tomorrow and once it warms up. Um, but I'm ready for you know this brings this brings up a point. We're all stuck in our houses. I, I'm start. I'm really starting to get a little bit tired of everything being closed. I want to go to a Mexican restaurant, um, like a Taqueria del Sol, and sit outside, eat a taco. Go to Target, get what I need, go go places, go to Trader Joe's, pick up some groceries. I'm tired of 
not being able to do that. And it's, man, it is starting to wear on me, honestly. I didn't think this would be the case, but this is starting to really wear on me in a, in a way that I didn't expect. I'm not, um, I'm not depressed by any means, but it's almost like I'm more tired, you know? I'm not finding the energy I used to have. And I know people are saying, oh, you have so much time to read books and, and sleep. But I actually, you know, I work from home for my job now. And I will be going to the office one day. But right now I'm working from home. So, um, you know, I'm not spending my day taking naps and reading. And I think people that are, are in living in some kind of weird fantasy world. And I don't think they're really accepting what what's actually going on. And yeah, there has been some good things that have come out of quarantine. More time at home with parents, more time at home with loved ones, actually reading more books, getting outside more and you know going for walks after you're done with your work from home stuff and and for college kids, tons of free time. But for the most part, I think and this brings me to what I want to talk about tonight, but I, what I think is when we get out of this quarantine, I imagine and what I've seen and what I've been reading is that the economic recovery of this is way worse than we think. And that the longer we stay out of work and the longer we do this, not only are we going to have the actual economic impacts, we're going to have cultural impacts of people, one, not wanting to go back to work, two, deciding, why do I need to go back to college? And then you have an institution hit on your higher ed um, side. And then I think there's another thing that happens. I think people are going to realize, why do I... Why do I need to wake up and commute and drive to work every day if I did this for two and a half, three and a half months from home and our business was still productive? You know, obviously people do need to go back to work. I think the office environment for some companies is very productive. It's very conducive to a good work environment, but some offices aren't that way. And I think maybe if you're that office and your business is not very productive, and you find that going into work, you waste 45, 45 minutes to an hour commuting into work every morning and the same in the afternoon. Why don't I get those two hours back and say, look, I'm going to get up at 7 and work from 8 a.m. to 6 or 8 a.m. to 5. And I don't have to commute. And I can actually work longer now. So just a thought. I'm drinking some tea again tonight, um, and it is tonight. The first podcast I did record during the day. This one I'm recording. It's nighttime here, and I'm going to publish it as soon as I get it out. But guys, wow. Quarantine, right? Coronavirus, Easter, and um, it's a weird time. It's a weird time. It's the first time in my life that I, I mean, anyone's lives, a global pandemic has hit. And I want to talk about how many cases of coronavirus and deaths and everything that we're currently at. As it stands right now on Easter Sunday, April 12th, the United States is at 557,488 cases. Um, 32,000 of those have recovered. So they've they've now gotten through it and they're immune. I guess they're immune. And there's been 21,000 deaths just in America, 21,912. We're very close to crossing over that 22,000 mark. And I think we're going to see that this week. Obviously, I think we'll see it tomorrow. And the models I've seen, there tends to be huge jumps and then it drops down and then there's another huge jump. So, uh, with cases and Spain, Spain's coming in second place right now. 
um, with the most cases confirmed at 166,000. Then we have Italy at 156,000, but Italy's had way more deaths. Italy is currently at 19,899. And then get this, guys, if you have any reason to think China's lying, listen to their numbers, okay? Just listen. 82,052 cases. Deaths under 4,000. 3,339. Okay? France is the next closest or, to them in terms of cases, or even the United Kingdom. United Kingdom was at 84,000, is at 84,000 cases, 279. And they have 10,612 deaths. And we're supposed to just believe China has 82,000 cases and 3,000 deaths. Yeah, right. I don't believe that. I really don't. And um, we're over 113,000 deaths worldwide. It's a very grim time. It's very sad. And that brings me to what I want to talk about with this economic recovery. How we're going to do this. How are people going to go back to work? What's What's that going to look like? Because right now... I don't imagine the economy does a V-shaped recovery. I don't. And the reason why I don't believe that is because I actually have some some data, and I got this from a Bloomberg, uh, Bloomberg article. And for financial news, let me just tell you right now, for financial news, I typically read Wall Street Journal and Bloomberg. Um, those are typically my two go-tos. But, you know, this article really put things in perspective. You know, on... Um, February 12th of 2020, the Dow was at an all-time high, 29,551. From there, on March 17th to, I guess what is now its trough, it went to 21,237. That's an over 8,000-point drop. And I want to talk about the different industries that have dropped in this, because these companies are huge companies. The Dow 30 consists of very very well-known companies, Microsoft, Johnson & Johnson, Walmart, uh, J.P. Morgan. You know, that's really, those are huge game changers in their industry that we should be looking at. And I know it's price-weighted, and some people don't look at it, but still. So let's give a timeline of this. Uh, February 12th, we're at an all-time high. Uh, February 17th, Apple says it will miss their Q1 revenue target due to the China production slowdown. And then from there, uh, February 25th, uh, confirmed cases passed 81,000 globally. Deaths passed over 2,700. And then March 16th, the Dow drops almost 3,000 points in one day. And we're, you know, sitting at, you know, a very, a very grim place. And I don't think the Dow even, okay, I know Boeing is in there, so Boeing is definitely pulling this thing down. But even excluding Boeing, it's only a 4% difference from uh, the losses. So in this time period from February 12th to uh, February twelfth to March 17th, 28.1% down total for the Dow Jones. And then excluding Boeing, 24.5%. And then Dow Jones, 15 best performing stocks, down 18.9%. It's safe to say we're in we're in uh you know bear country, right? And just to mention some of the companies in here, huge, very financially stable companies, American Express, Disney, JP Morgan Chase. I mentioned that one earlier, earlier, ExxonMobil, which oil is getting crushed right now, Johnson and Johnson, Coca-Cola, Merck, Pfizer, Walgreens, uh, Verizon, Microsoft mentioned earlier, United Health Group, Home Depot, McDonald's, Goldman Sachs, obviously Boeing. These are huge, huge corporations. 
with major, major clout. So, um, yeah. Uh, and then if you if we break this down by sector, here here's where we're at for sectors, because I think the sectors really give us a better a better view of just how bad things are. Uh, consumer staples dropped by 7.7%. You know, that consists of Walmart, Procter & Gamble, Walgreens, Coke. Healthcare, 13.6% drop for four companies. That's Johnson & Johnson, Merck, Pfizer, United Health Group. Communication services dropped by 20.4%. Information technology dropped by 25.5%. That includes IBM, Hot Take, just a, an aside, I think IBM is uh, pretty much a zombie company at this point. And I may do a podcast about it, but uh, if you look at the market share of their cloud services, if you look at the the spaces in which they operate, they don't really dominate in a lot of areas. And uh, the company, to me, uh, from what I've seen from their annual reports and everything, I just don't like them. And I think they're going to fail in this whole thing. Consumer discretionary, that's Home Depot, McDonald's, and Nike. Obviously, this is a little bit more volatile. You know, discretionary income decreases with um, unemployment rising, and uh, that will drop the market. So, consumer discretionary sector dropped 30.8%. We have financials, which to me, I think financials are pretty volatile, but over time, the returns are really good. The dividends are pretty good in the financial sector anyway. 32.4%. Industrials. 37.6%, and that includes Boeing, and then energy, 30, <clears throat> 38.4%. And finally, materials, uh, 46.1%, which is just Dow, like Dow Chemical. Um, Wow. Man, you read that, and you go look at your 401k, and you just kind of shudder at that, right? You just go look at it, and you're like, man, I'm down so much. And I, I bought... Uh, I typically follow the S&P numbers, and I, and I bought S&P at uh, 2400 when it went down. And it was right, right before it went down, about 2300 But everything's so weird, man. This is a weird, this is a weird time. And I don't think, you know, and I disagree with Trump. And I'm not a, I love, okay, first of all, I've, I love uh, having Donald Trump as our president. I think Donald Trump, uh, compared to other world leaders, any other leader right now, I think, would be just absolutely failing miserably at this. And I, I'm really glad that we do have Trump in office because he's somebody that takes action and just doesn't talk about it. And we've seen that with everything. You know, he's the most transparent president we've ever had. Obama, you know, I heard on the Sadcast podcast I listened to that um, that's Josh Lucash. He said this, and it was a good point. He said, you know, Obama pitched himself to us as the most transparent president, and he wasn't. He wasn't. And Trump has been the most transparent president ever. He is exactly who he was when he ran, and he's the same person we got. And I, I just appreciate that. But a big area of disagreement between me and Trump and a lot of the Trump camp that I'm seeing on Fox News, you know, my dad loves Fox News, so it's always on. But I don't think this is a V-shaped recovery. I don't. And the reason why I don't believe that is because there's so many factors that have changed. One, you do have a cultural change here. This isn't like Black Monday. This isn't like, you know, this isn't like the financial crisis even. 
This isn't like 9-11. It's completely a different thing. And I've heard people say it's a black swan. It's all these types of words they use. But this is a, a pandemic. And people are going to view work and space and the way they live and the way they send their kids to school in a totally different light than they have before. That's why I don't think it's the same. And I don't think there's going to be a recovery. So let's study this. Okay, let's look at Black Monday from 1987. So Black Monday had a 36% two-month decline. Wow, that is uh, quite the drop, man. I, I'm so glad I wasn't alive in 1987, and I'm so glad I, uh, I wasn't because, man, imagine being born in like 1910 or something, and you're about to retire in 1987, and you just got wiped out. Now, granted, bonds were much better interest interest rates then, but still. <clears throat> Sorry, I just had to clear my throat. Um, so, just studying Black Monday <clears throat> from 1987 to get back to where it was before the drop took 22 months. And yes, on the chart, it may look like a V. You might call me or text me and go, hey, that's still a V. If you look at it, that's still a V. But I think there's a lot of people out there that think we go back to work in their 401k. It's back to where it was seven months ago or six months ago, you know, and they think that's going to happen. I've met so many people and I've talked to so many friends that that aren't super into the news and not really reading much. And they truly believe that's going to happen. I don't. I don't think it's going to nearly happen. So that's just uh, my two cents on that. Then we go to 2001 to 2002, and this is an interesting one because this is something, uh, first of all, let me put on my tinfoil hat. Anytime you talk about 9-11, everyone thinks everything's a conspiracy. I'm not one of those people, but I don't think 9-11 was a conspiracy, but I will say this, and I'll stand by it. I think it could have been prevented. Okay, I really think it could have been prevented, and and we can get into that later, but that's just my two cents on it. I really think that could have been prevented. Um, there, I said it. Uh, well, anyways, in 2001, after the 9-11 attacks, we see a negative 38% downcline, uh, decline Sorry, um, for 33 months, and then uh, it took to get from where it was before the decline to get back where it was. It was 48 months of recovery, so that's... Uh, that's a long time. That's a really long time. It is, what is that, like four years? I mean, wow, right? That's that's so crazy to me. And that is something that was not really expected. And the, the weird thing about this, well, I guess I should say, 9-11 was a, a, an event that wasn't, no one could be ready for, right? Like, obviously, the government can do more surveillance and and kind of operate and evaluate threats from world from the world but it's not something that like new yorkers could get ready for like this pandemic or even our government officials saw coming for months uh, a couple months like this pandemic um, i'll leave it at that and then let's go to 2007 to 2008 wow almost near collapse um you know that was the, the financial crisis of 2007, 2008, and I almost say to 2009 because it was a bear market for so long, um, 
negative forty or negative fifty four percent decline for seven over seventeen months, with a recovery of forty eight months. There's better recoveries for compound fractures in your leg. You know, there's better recoveries for these types of things, and even really traumatic injuries. It may take years, but you know, you do finally get recovered. But there's always, you know, a limp. Or there's always something wrong with the human body, you know, after you get in a really bad accident, horrific accident, maybe brain damage. And I think this market's a little bit like that. I think, obviously, I don't think it's just a V recovery. But anybody who is telling themselves, we're back at work in May, is lying to themselves and hasn't read and hasn't studied. They're just looking at their immediate uh, vicinity. Um. I, I don't know I, I don't know how other industries are, but I think we need to do I saw this on, on Twitter. I think we do need to do this though. We need to have these green, yellow, red zones that could, you know, obviously um ease our way back into working. And I don't know how that would look. Obviously New York's a red zone. And Georgia, Georgia is um Georgia is a very interesting place right now because um we have a city here in south georgia called albany that um that is really just getting wiped and and it's because of some funerals that were held and it's because of some things that happened down there that just uh it's really sad but i talked to a friend and his grandfather died of, of coronavirus uh or covid um, just last week, and and I talked to another friend who's from Albany for a long time on the phone the other night, and he told me, he said, man, it is really dark. So many people, so many people have coronavirus there. And Georgia is, man, it is not looking great. Um, it's really not. Uh, we're, we're in that 5,000 or more stage. Alabama and Mississippi and the, the states around us besides Florida aren't in that same. They're in that 1,001 to 5,000 range. And so Georgia's at 11,318 cases. Our neighboring state of Alabama is at 2,838. And uh, then we have South Carolina at 2,792. And we're a red zone, okay? Georgia is a red zone. Tennessee isn't a red zone at this point. They'd be considered a yellow zone. And then you have green zones. And those green zones would be like Montana, Wyoming, North Dakota, South Dakota, which they all have under 1,000 cases. Those states all have under a thousand cases, and even New Mexico would be, would be a, um, a, a green zone at this point. But maybe we phase everybody back into work that way. Maybe that's what we have to do. But we're gonna have to get back to work, and this isn't. This is gonna take a long time. This is gonna really take a long time to recover from, and people's uh, people's reaction to this has told me so much. It's told me everything I need to know, which is, which is this, is that even when we get a warning, we don't heed it. And Americans are, wow. I mean, guys, I need to lose weight, right? But man, I, I've been hanging out in like small town Georgia for a little bit. I just moved back from Nashville and in Nashville city limits, or definitely when you're in certain parts of Nashville, you don't see that many fat people. But here, everybody's fat. Everybody's fat. There's so many people here that are 
literally, I'm not meaning like they need to lose 10. I mean like need to lose 100. Seriously. And it's a, it's a weird it's a weird thing to witness to me, but Americans are so um Americans are so out of shape, man. Wow. And I'm out of shape. I'll admit it. I'm out of shape. But the majority of Americans are like so weak and fluffy. Like that's a good way to describe Americans, just like fluffy and soft. And so I wish we were more like Russians or something where everybody in Russia seems to be like really hardcore and tough. We're just not tough. Right? We're just not. Americans are not as tough as we think we are. We like to go around the world and say, we're America. We're great. But, man, go to, like, small town Alabama and walk around. It's mostly really fat, obese people with not much education. And and I mean that. And it's the same, it's the same for Michigan. It's the same for Illinois. It's the same for Nevada. There's towns all over this country where that's the case. There's just fat people huddled up in little dennies everywhere. And McDonald's, and they're eating. They're just eating like as much as they can. It's gross. It's so gross. You know, I watched this movie last night called The Talented Mr. Ripley. It was incredible. But one of the th- it, and I liked it a lot. It's kind of a little bit, little bit weird at times. But one of the things I noticed in the movie is Italy is just aesthetically beautiful. It's just absolutely gorgeous and. America's not that way. Our federal buildings, for the most part, are extremely hideous. Go to Nashville, Tennessee, and look at the Tennessee Tower. It literally looks like, I don't even know how to describe it. It looks like something a 10-year-old thought of. To me, it's it's almost insulting because it's like that is your federal building, and that's how much pride you take in your federal government. You have all the money in the world to build whatever you want. You build this like Bauhaus architecture building, and not even as good as Bauhaus. It, looks, it doesn't even look that good. So... Where was I? But in this movie, everything's beautiful. The back, the backdrop is gorgeous. These Italian towns value beauty. And a lot of Europe value, values beauty. And if you read anything about Sir Roger Scruton, he talks about this. He talks about beauty is important. That sentimental value and beauty are actually valuable things. That not everything has to be a practical utilitarian purpose. That there is this world out there that needs to be discovered of beauty. And we need to make our public spaces more beautiful, our parks, our buildings. In America, the history of America is Art Deco, which is, I think, like the Chrysler building. We need more buildings that look like that. That's kind of the American style. And we don't get that anymore. We get these weird... um, amorphous, modernized buildings that look so bad. And so many cities across the world look so bad. And if you don't believe me, go look at the London skyline. The London skyline looks like something out of a cartoon. It really does. It looks like something out of a cartoon. It It's funny looking. The, the buildings are mostly wonky. It's a good way to put it. There's this one building that looks like something out of like Phineas and Ferb. I'm not even kidding. Their skyline is hilarious, and this city is so is supposed to be so pretty, and kind of the beacon into Europe, right? And it's so ugly. The skyline is, and so many other southern cities are that way. Look at Nashville, 
the Batman building. I know people look at Nashville's Batman building. You know, that's really cool. I never once said that. I was like, who designed that? That is a strange looking building. And it fits in not at all with any of the other buildings. I'm not saying there should be uniformity. But when you go look at a city like Budapest, that's a beautiful that's a beautiful skyline. That's a beautiful look. Um, and um, yeah. But anyways, I'm going to take a 10-second sec- 10 break. And I want to come back. And I want to talk about Hungary. Because Hungary is doing some stuff right now that I think maybe America should take notes on. And... And in a way that maybe you're not expecting, but Hungary is is really changing the game. So uh, I'll take a quick 10 second break and I'll be right back. Hungary, why'd you have to go so hard like that? Gosh, you're making conservatives in America just look like progressive liberals at this point. You really are. Okay, let me just give you some headlines right quick. Let me just give you some headlines. Hungary offers 30 thousand i guess dollars in their money i don't know i guess that's eu money to married couples who can produce three children okay have four more babies in hungary and uh you'll pay what is this i can't gosh you'll pay no uh i guess that says no income tax one second it's loading um sorry this is so annoying hey look uh i don't want to i don't want to go to your website if it doesn't, if it has ads. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Here we go. In Hungary, have four more babies in Hungary and you'll pay no income tax for life. That's published on February 11th, 2019. Hungary. Okay. Is doing, uh, these subsidies, um, for minivans and, uh, they're paying their citizens to have babies. And, uh, and all of these people, all of these, uh, globalist elites are so mad because they're 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 paying their their citizenry to have families and they're using these words you know i see this on cbs the right kinds of families in quotation marks the right kind and uh and so many people are saying this is anti-immigrant this is wrong and all of these journalists john wertheim i think his name is from 60 minutes you know said that uh there's this motivation to keep hungry hungarian Okay, what is wrong with that? If Hungary wants to, if Hungary wants to promote people having children, Hungarians having children, then let them do it. Let's step out. Let's let them do their own thing. Okay, this is something that uh, is has been really interesting, and they just passed this thing in Hungary. It's called the Family Protection Action Plan. And it costs about $2.5 billion. And um, it's about 5% of Hungary's GDP, or right at 5% of Hungary's GDP. And and it's, listen to this, it's four times what the country, four times the amount of what the country spends on the military. Wow. So Hungary just said, we value family more than military. I wish America would do that. I wish America would say, we value our families more than we do the military. We're going to give you a minivan. We're going to give you, if you have more than three kids, we're going to give you subsidies that you can survive. We're going to make it that you can have kids in this country. So many of us, so many of us young people, people in our 20s, will never get to taste 
what it's like to have a large family, what it's like to have three kids, what it's like to even have two kids. It's so expensive. It's so expensive to have kids in this country. And it's so expensive to live in this world. Um, you know, this is something I think I'd keep your eyes peeled. I'm not going to go too much into detail about this Hungarian thing. Draw your own conclusions. But I do think there's a lot of, I mean, honestly, a lot of good things happening here. You know, Hungary is, Hungary is putting, um, wow, Hungary is really putting itself first. And everyone's calling it far right. And everyone's calling it nationalist and all this stuff. And maybe some of it is nationalist, but maybe some of it some of it is, hey, our citizens are paying taxes and we want to protect their freedoms. Okay? It's it's ridiculous. And people were in 2015, I know Hungary built a uh, uh, a border fence uh, against the southern border there along Syria. And it was I think it was like from let me see. Okay. Five hundred million dollars. Five hundred million dollars to build this fence. And people are calling it essentially a border wall. And it it's something that is uh is something that is really interesting to me. And from this interview uh with with uh I guess his name is Taurus Sky. I can't pronounce his last name. Laszlo. Laszlo. Um, he's the mayor of this small border town in, in Hungary, and he was one of the loud voices back in 2015 that would uh, get this border wall or this fence built, and uh, he became huge in the country. And let me just read you some direct quotes, because I think this tells me everything I need to say about, about what Hungary is pushing towards. Hungary is pushing towards a world of decency, and the Wertheim, the, the 60 Minutes reporter, he says... This is about preserving, we keep hearing, European values. And he puts that in quotation marks. Wertheim said to Laszlo, that's his first name, I'm not going to say his last name. What does that mean? Laszlo responds, for me, the European culture, the, the European values are the classical music. Mozart, Beethoven, um, uh, Chavat, I can't pronounce that either, wow. I am struggling, guys, with pronunciations. Um, it goes beyond the pleasures of the ear, though. He also objects to mixing taste. The, the foods, the European foods, Laszlo says. For example, the donor kebab in Berlin, Budapest. Uh, I would like to eat the donor kebab in Istanbul. Um, we're spending a half a billion dollars on a fence to keep out donor kebabs, where I'm asked. Also, that's something midwit journalists say all the time. They make you look dumb by using some kind of example. And he says back... Wow, he says back such a strong statement to this very self-righteous 60 Minutes CBS journalist. You know, he says back this. You know, we need this border fence to preserve our our safe country. Man, these people are so, these journalists are so out of touch. They're so out of touch, and it's because... A lot of these journalists don't have allegiances to any country. You know, they're they're like these um, these uh, weird kind of fluid, country-fluid people. They don't feel like they have a need, and they kind of just are leeches on a lot of society. Um, but um, Sander Nagy um, uh, is in that same town, and it's uh, 
he's a part of that that group uh, with Laszlo, first name Laszlo, and um, and he even says, you know, you know, you know, this Family Protection Act is uh, it's it's to build families, and this guy's doing it. He moved from Budapest, and he is raising eight children, and it's just crazy. It's just crazy. It, it's this bill is trying to help people have the money to have kids and we're putting it down because we think it's some kind of weirdly nationalistic thing to have your own kids is now against the law. Just like people, um, it's just like people, uh, that are so anti drinking milk or something or, or any type of food. They're like, Oh, we shouldn't eat dairy. Cause that's, that's, uh, what's the word they use unethical or whatever. Right. And so, and then um, there's some some other lines in here, uh, but the Secretary of State is Catalin Novak, um, and I uh, and I think uh, I think when I can't remember where it's at, but I'll read some quotes from her, and I think this is very powerful. And she says in here, and this is where I want America to take notes because America is a Western society. Um, she says we speak o- about not only preserving Western civilization, we also to say it openly that Christian culture we would like to preserve wow christian culture thank you um that's amazing and then wertheim says christian culture she said yeah that's a way of life in europe in hungary that we have a christian way of life and he pretty much says back when you hear your colleagues in government including the prime minister talk about ethnic homogeneity and the dangers of mixing blood and purity wertheim said can you see how those people how you can see how people perhaps don't hear echoes of some of Europe's darker chapters in those remarks. And she says back, it makes me upset because I think, I think it means the people who, who have this interpretation either don't really know what they are talking about or don't know Hungary. And he's in this smug journalist says back, you're saying there's no code in that word time. That's what he says back. He says, there's no code. when we talk about cheap hung, hungry Hungarian or pure Hungarians, or we talk in terms of purity, there's no, and then she interrupts. But again, you say pure Hungarian. Why? What? We don't say that. We say keep Hungary, hungry Hungarian. That's true. We say that. And then this article ends, um, that, uh, more than a, a hundred thousand couples have already taken advantage of these incentives. And the Family Protection Act pretty much is going to be pretty effective. But imagine, I want you listeners out there to hear this. Imagine if our own government cared enough about family and the family unit and families of all kinds, not the right kind of families, but families, African-American families, Asian-American families, uh, Hispanic families, you know, uh, the in, in. not just white. I, I think there's this this misunderstanding. What if in America we said we're going to give money to couples who qualify and want to have kids? We're going to give you the ability to have children. One of life's greatest joys. If our leader said that, it would be met with just intense opposition. Just intense amounts of opposition. And you have to wonder why. Why is it that children, especially now more than ever, are viewed so poorly? You know, I see it on Reddit a lot. And I see it on these on, um, on these websites where people are like, 
I'm not having kids because I want to save the the world and I want to lower um, global warming. And I take a totally different stance on this. I think that more people is what it's going to take to, um, I think it's going to take more people to stop or help clean the earth. And I, I know it sounds a little bit kind of maybe far-fetched, but if you think about it, if you really think about this, um, this is something that we need more people here for. We need more humans solving pollution. We need more babies being born because the more babies that are born, the more likely we are to have better communities, the more likely we are to have jobs that can support people, and the more likely we are to uh, see more people like Elon Musk and um, visionaries that want to solve issues be brought into this world. And by not having kids, we are only setting ourselves up for uh, a very grim and dark reality. So to Victor Orban, to Prime Minister Victor Orban, to to the, the country of Hungary, I, I hope that my country takes notes and says, we want it we want it to be that people in their 20s can have families because so many of my friends that are already married, they're not having kids. You know, they're not having kids. And it's a grim society out there. And I think if we had more people, if we had more people saying, we're here for you um, and we will help support you, I think the world would be a much better place. Guys, that's going to conclude it for tonight. I think that's a pretty good uh, length. I'm trying to shoot for 45 to 50 minutes of uh, audio recordings. Um, but anyways, thanks so much again for listening. This will get better with time. Just bear with me. Um, there might be some audio issues. And like I said, like I said in that first episode, I'm, I'm still in this little underground bunker studio thing. I'm in a closet. I'm, I'm sitting, I'm looking at dress shirts and I'm sitting in this, the, the chair I've dubbed the Downton Abbey chair. It's this uh, very grandiose, very old chair that I'm sitting in. It's very comfortable. But, uh, guys, there's there's going to be technical difficulties, and there's going to be audio issues and stuff along the way. And I appreciate you bearing with me and just and watching me learn this thing. I'm still learning how to do this. And it's going to take time for me to get really good at this. But I want you all to know that I'm very happy and very, I'm very uh, grateful for um, – I'm very grateful for you guys, and I'm very grateful that, uh, you know, a lot of you have texted me and said you listened to the first episode. My friend Brady texted me, he listened, Sam Russell, uh, and some others. Uh, I will give you guys a shout-out. Thanks so much, guys, for listening. Um, and then my other friends out there that said they're going to listen on the way back from uh, this, uh, on the way back from Tennessee, uh, thank you so much uh, to you, Chloe, and uh, – your friends there. Um, I do appreciate everybody's listens and I hope this is eye opening and I hope this isn't boring. Um, I hope this doesn't become a boring, a boring thing, but I do want everyone, I guess I do want every, do want everybody to realize it. It does mean a lot to me whenever you, you know, text me and say, Hey, I listen to your podcast and I'm not doing this because I just want, um, praise from everyone, but I do, I'm doing this because I think it's a, a really, um, I think it's a really good thing. All right, I'll leave you with this. Go watch that movie, The Talented Miss Ripley. It's on Netflix right now. 
fantastic movie. I really enjoyed it. Uh, I couldn't take my eyes off. I actually ended up watching that past one o'clock last night. And that's rare for me to stay up watching a movie. I'll usually fall asleep before then. But I really, I got into it. It was really good. Um, Matt Damon is pretty much the main star. Philip Seymour Hoffman's in it. I can't remember her name, but there's this other really big name actress in that movie. And there's a lot of good names in it. And the, the, the best thing about that movie is the background. There's beautiful imagery all throughout. That I just love. I love seeing that. Um, so watch that. And then in terms of music, I'm trying to think. What am I listening to lately? Um, I, I've I Honestly, guys, I've been listening to Beach Boys Pet Sounds um, like crazy. I've been listening to that thing all the way through. And uh, I think you should listen to it. It's it's really good. Uh, and then, um, I in I, some other movies, I'll, I'll I'll plug some movies too later. But, anyways, those are kind of things I'd say. Go watch, go watch Town of Mr. Ripley if you have a chance. It's really good. And um, thanks so much for listening. Again, this is Ideas Have People. I'm Will Bird, and thanks so much for listening. And I'll see you in the next one. All right, y'all have a good night. Hope y'all had a great Easter weekend. And if you're listening to this uh, in the future, I hope everything out there is better and all these predictions about coronavirus and the economy are wrong. But again, this is Ideas Have People. This is episode two. I'm Will Bird, your host. And thanks again for listening so much. All right, bye.